Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. You know what that song means. It's time for another Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your lovable host, Tom Dahmers. Welcome to the show. Well, um, hmm, happy Valentine's Day and happy President's Day, everybody. Uh, I originally had this all set to go last week and just, I don't know what happened. It was a crazy, bizarre week last week. Things just got busy. And I just didn't get this posted in time. So um, I did post up a blog post on Small Scale Life that covers all this material. But here is the accompanying podcast that goes with it. So thank you for your patience, everyone. I hope you had a great Valentine's Day. I hope you remembered Valentine's Day. I hope you're having a great President's Day. I know a lot of you are saying, well, I have to work on President's Day. Guess what? Federal employees do not. So I'm going to take advantage of that. I've been working on a few things in the background. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Another podcast, or maybe you'll just see it as it happens. But, um, you know, regarding Valentine's Day, I know I've made mistakes in the past with Valentine's Day, and I've really had some truly horrendous Valentine's Days. Um, Don't repeat my example. Don't forget it. Don't, you know, don't do that thing. If you have a significant other, they don't appreciate that. I know, Um, you know, maybe I'll have to do a show about some of those disasters in the future. Maybe I'll have Jules on the show and talk about Julie, my wife, in case you're new here. Uh, But uh, maybe I won't. I think that might turn out pretty poorly. Might make for good radio, though. Who knows? Anyway, enough of all that. Hope you're having a great day today. Um, We have hit mid-February. We are in We're on the other side of mid-February now, and it's time to get planting seeds for our 2018 garden. As many of you know, I've been starting seeds in my basement for a few few years now. I learn something new each year, and last year was no different. Like everything in life, you learn the most from our failures. And I had a couple last year, I'm afraid. Not afraid to admit it. I had some things that didn't go quite according to plan. So in this episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, I'm going to discuss four lessons learned from starting seeds in my basement last year. So in case you're new to our podcast and blog, Small Scale Life is all about removing stress in our lives by living simply through gardening, healthy living, and having adventures along the way. We are really, truly thrilled that you're here and listening to our show or reading our blog. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us. And frankly, we wouldn't do this if you weren't part of our small scale life. Thank you so much. And we're glad you're here. So before we begin the episode, let's hear from some friends of small scale life. Well, are you interested in bees, beekeeping, honey, or mead? If you are, you need to check out a bee-friendly company out of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Michael Jordan, who is on the Survival Podcast of Experts with Jack Spirko, has been on the Small Scale Life podcast and is an actual bee whisperer. He's amazing. I'm constantly amazed by the work that Michael is doing to improve apiaries and communities in his backyard at his local schools, and across the country. Michael is broadcasting information on Facebook Live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Mountain. It's five minutes at 5 p.m., so check him out. If you're interested in bees, beekeeping, honey, or meat, check out Michael Jordan, a bee-friendly company, on Facebook. And there's a link in the show notes, so check that out at smallscalelife.com. 
Uh, Nature's Image Farm is always checking in. Great news, everyone. Start to t- it, it is time to start planning for spring. Are you looking for comfrey, bees, or trees? Greg Burns from Nature Image Farm has what you need. Nature's Image Farm has comfrey bocking 4 and comfrey bocking 14 cuttings available for you today. And if you want to add trees to your property, go to naturesimagefarm.com. They'll once again have exciting bundles available soon for urban homesteaders and farmers, including pawpaw, seaberry, ragusa rose, apple, pear, American chestnut, butternut, elderberry, mulberry, oh my gosh, serviceberry, and more. Wow, that was a mouthful. Anyway, they got a lot of trees. Check that out. They have everything you need to start your own food forest or family orchard, which is really, really cool. And he's a great guy. Great family, too. Check out Nature's Image Farm website for more information on all those bundles. Remember, use code SSL for Small Scale Life for 10% off in free shipping. And let a real American hero, Captain Lumber Squatch Greg Burns, know that you heard about Nature's Image Farm on Small Scale Life. Check out naturesimagefarm.com today. everybody on behalf of small scale life this is tommy cakes i'm new to the small scale life i wanted to talk to you about two things the first thing is my podcast the midweek motivation on smallscalelife.com check that out if you need a little pick me up in the middle of the week a little motivation a little bada boom bada bing The second thing, check out the Small Scale Life Facebook group. We've got about 500 people in there. It's growing. It's good. So you should be part of that too. So join us at Small Scale Life Facebook group and also my weekly podcast on smallscalelife.com, Midweek Motivation. All right, back to the lounge. I got my drink. Ah, Delicious. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you to our friends of Small Scale Life. Remember, if you have a product or service that you would like to be discussed on Small Scale Life, contact me at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com or use the Contact Us page on smallscalelife.com. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit here again. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy President's Day. Hope you had a great day and had some fun. Uh, Julie and I went to a winery in Waconia, Minnesota for some great wine and jazz with our good friends, longtime friends. It was a lot of fun to catch up and enjoy some really good wine and food. Price was reasonable. It was just a really good night. And we even made some new friends who just purchased 20 acres north of the winery and are making a really cool place out of the wetlands and woods on their land. Might even have some grapevines there someday, too. So really great people there. And if they're listening, reach out to me. Love to connect again. And, uh, you know, keep making friends. So um, I am just taking Tommy Cake's advice from last from a couple weeks ago, right? The, the midweek motivation. Enjoy local events and make real authentic memories with friends, family, and your community. Making new friends, too. That's all part of it. So get out there and enjoy life a little bit, everybody. Uh, take some stress off and enjoy some time with the family and friends. So I um, wanted to cover one thing before we jump into today's topic. I did have an update from last post, developing your 2018 garden plan. And 
in that last show, the big garden show, I discussed developing a 2018 garden plan. Uh, your garden plan will serve as the foundation for your gardening success this year, so I recommend everybody try it out. And I did get some feedback from folks about that show, and I wanted to add two points for narrowing down your pie-in-the-sky plan. That's the plan of everything out there that you would love to grow. Everything. And then you start to narrow it down with what's feasible and to develop a reasonable and feasible plan. So a couple things. Uh, one, point one, consider your climate and what grows there. This is something that we have to be conscious of um, in northern climates. Some things it just takes too long. Some things are not suited to northern environments. Example, if you live in Minnesota like me and you would love to have oranges or avocados or lemons in your plan, but you, you can't really because we, have, we don't have the temperature for it. We don't have the climate for it. So you're going to need to have a, specially, a special climate-controlled facility to grow them. So there, are some real, there is reality check here that you, you might not be able to grow everything in just your standard garden right out in the side of the house. You might have to build some or back of the house. You might have to build something special to handle those kind of things. And I know some folks down in Missouri who are growing lemons and that and other citrus fruits, but they have a climate-controlled environment. Garlic uh, Gateway Garlic Farms is one that's that's doing that kind of stuff, and they have some special um, special things in place that helps them uh, that allows them to grow those kind of those kind of uh, plants uh, and trees and 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 fruit. Frankly, uh, the other thing to help with planning your garden, it might. It probably would help to actually plan out where everything will go using a piece of graph paper, uh, a whiteboard, or a computer. So what you do is you draw out your garden beds according to scale, in a scale, a realistic scale, and then get realistic sizes for plants in your garden. Get it all to scale and put it in there and lay it out. And a great resource, actually, is Square Foot Gardening. They, um, they've got this down to a science where they have, like, one tomato in a one-by-one-foot square or four charred plants in a four-by-four-foot square or six basil plants in a four-by-four-foot square. That might be actually four basil plants. But anyway, they've done a good job of laying out how you can... How you can um, you break down your garden beds into foot by foot squares and grow in it. I, I push it. I'm going to be honest. I push it. I, I have uh, learned the Mitlighter method of gardening and uh, mitlighter.com or growfood.com. And um, they do heavy intensive gardening where they are pushing the limits. They are really getting stuff uh, planted in a tight space and trying to maximize their space. But I think square foot gardening will serve as a good template. I know Larry Hall from Rain, Rain Gutter Grow Systems. He also is using kind of a, a, a square foot garden uh, style layout for his one foot buckets, his his buckets or his uh, root pouches. So these are these are good resources for you. Uh, I really recommend square foot gardening to start, and uh, that'll give you a good spacing and. Uh, uh, then you can do things with pruning and, and such in the future. We'll cover that uh, in the future as we start to lay that out. So, uh, again, look at climate. Look at what grows in your climate. Uh, maybe even select local uh, local um, local plants and such because they'll do better in your climate and then lay everything out. So, these are great suggestions. I've added them to the show notes of the last episode. You can see them there at the bottom of the post. So, that is all there. So, thank you for providing feedback, folks. Good job. That was great. Um, and okay, let's get in the topic of the day, right? We have talked about all other kinds of stuff and it's uh, we're about 10, 11 minutes in. It's time to talk about the real stuff. What is this show all about, this show and post? So let's talk about the four lessons learned from st- seed starting. I've 
I've started seeds, uh, started plants from seeds in my basement for a few years now, and I learn something new each year. I talked about that, and and you know, I learn from failure. We all do, right? And I did have a couple last year, like I like I talked about, and I'll talk about that as I get through here. So let's talk about um, let's talk about some of these lessons learned and such. But why start seeds yourself? I started planting my own seeds in about 2014, and back then I was buying plants from big box home, impro- big box home improvement stores like Menards, Home Depot, Lowe's. Uh, but I was, I was, I found I was getting frustrated with with those with those stores, and here's why: quality. The plants at the local big box home improvement stores was they just weren't healthy. Uh, some were wilting, some had blight, some were per- terribly stunted and just looked bad. You know, and if a plant looks bad, I mean, you can nurse it back to help, but it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to take a lot to bring it back and then have it flourish. It's just going to take a lot. And, um, you know, it's going to take a lot to get it going in the right direction. If you can start with a better stock to begin with, you can start with a better plant to begin with, you're going to have success instead of being frustrated that this cruddy plant isn't growing, right? So quality is a big deal, and quality at the big box stores, especially like Home Depot Home Depot around here was really bad, and Menards can be really bad. So I was really frustrated with the quality. Number two, selection. Some of these big box home improvement stores just just did not seem to offer a wide enough selection of plants. Some had a couple of varieties of tomatoes, but I didn't want to grow that particular type of cherry uh, tomato or big beefsteak or summer salsa hybrid. I wanted something a little different. I wanted something more productive. I wanted something that would be a little unique. So, um, And I found the same thing applied to peppers as well. And when I started growing my own, I had control and picked the type of plant I wanted to grow. And that gives me a little bit of control over things and a little bit of power. And and then, you know, everything else is on me, you know, because if the seeds fail, the seedlings fail, that's on me. But I had control to pick out little different, uh, different varieties of things and try some things out. So we have number one was quality, number two, selection, and number three is cost. So the final reason I started growing my own plants from seed was the cost was simply too high. Typically, you're paying at least a dollar, if not more, per inch of height of seedling. So if you have a seedling that's like three inches tall, you're going to be paying at least three dollars. And the more mature these plants are, it costs even more. So you can get a tomato plant that's like six to ten dollars a piece. And if you're going to put... Uh, if you have a big garden or several beds, and you, you can see how this gets pretty expensive pretty quickly. So I had a 12 foot long bed, and I can fit 16 tomato plants in it. You know, nine inch offset. Offset. So nine inch plant, nine inch plant, or actually plant, nine inch plant, nine inch. You know, so there's nine inches between each plant, and then I go vertical with these things and, and do aggressive pruning. So I can fit 16 tomato plants in that 12 foot stretch, and. If you look at three inch tall seedlings to start, it could be like 48 bucks plus tax. And that's just for your tomatoes. What are you going to do for your peppers? What are you going to do for basil and your herbs and your other things? So from a cost perspective, it was getting pretty high. And there's a I figured there's a better way to do it. Um, So I decided to start growing my own seeds. And I found that the materials to start 
growing were fairly inexpensive. I can set up a pretty inexpensive setup down in my basement. And last year, I did have a podcast and articles about that. Um, and I do have some links there. I had one about grow, uh, how to garden indoors. I had eight steps to garden, uh, starting seeds indoors. And then nine lessons learned from starting seeds indoors. So that's season two, episode six. And I've got links in the show notes for those. So go to smallscalelife.com, which I suggest all of you do, and find those links there. So um, yeah, we covered that a lot last year. Uh, we're going to get back into that again. I've got to make a seed order here this week. And uh, that's a little heads up on what's going to be uh, on the plate this week because it is time. It is time to get going. Um, so anyway, let's talk about the four lessons learned. Um, so I'm going to need to set up in, in my old house in St. Louis Park. I had a couple of shelves. Um, I had some uh, four foot long shelves that I set up as my uh, seed growing area. I had two shelves and I would usually load those up with uh, seed trays. And since moving to this new house, I'm going to have to set up a new grow, growing, uh, a new growing area, blah, <laughs> a new growing area for this new house. So regardless, I need to keep these following four lessons from last year in mind uh, as I begin to grow these plants. And uh, and they always catch you uh, at the worst times, right? The first one, uh, so these are the four lessons here. The first one, label, label, label. And if you're, think about it, label again. Make sure to label everything as you plant the seeds and later transplant your seedlings. So one of the problems I did run into last year was how I labeled seedlings when I started to grow them. And you can see it in the picture on smallscalelife.com, what I was doing. Um, I was doing the potting soil challenge last year, and I was trying to be clever with this potting soil challenge by using masking tape on the seed tray. So uh, in my seed tray, I had uh, three by three cells. So there were nine cells in one little uh, one little uh, grouping and then nine cells in another grouping. And this whole tray had these nine cell groupings. And I label, tried to label with masking tape on those, uh, those three by three uh, uh, containers inside the seed tray. And, um, it worked great initially when I had the grow lights a few inches from the soil when it first started out. Um, and you know, when, when you do, when you start out seeds, I put the grow lights really close to soil. Those, those seeds, when they pop up, they need a lot of light. And if this, the light is just a few inches away from that soil, they're going to spring up and try to reach for the light. So, and then you start to elevate your chain, your, your lights on the chains as, as they grow, as the seedlings grow. Um, and it, and the masking tape worked great, but, as time went by, the seedlings grew, and I needed uh, I needed to change my markers, my marking set. I needed to, um, you know, as I lifted the chains, and then, um, you know, I did take out the different little containers to look at the seeds and uh, seedlings, and and maybe work on them a little bit, or or you know, or water the seed tray from below. So I worked on things, and, and suddenly. You know the cells got mixed up, right? And <laughs> and uh, you know suddenly I lose track of what I'm doing. If I take out a couple and the the masking tape is on the seed tray, not on the little container guy, then I'm suddenly losing track of what I've got. So I've got three tomato containers out, and one is hybrid slicer, one was um, cherry, and the other one is I don't know big boy or something. I don't know which is which, and 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 you think you know, but you it's it's you lose track. It's just life happens, right? 
So the big deal is out of all this, labels are cheap, right? And so take some time to buy some popsicle sticks or those plastic sticks at the big box stores and label each cell, each plant. Um, You know, if you don't label your plants, your garden will be like, freaking Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? So you could be planting peppers, but it could be jalapenos and yellow bell peppers, and you're, you give somebody else your your green bell peppers. You know, this is how it happens, and this is what actually happened last year. So you need to label everything. Just keep it all straight. Make the investment. Take the time. Just do it. And, um, and then when you transplant them into the garden or into so – what I do is I take them from cell – once they get to a certain height, and then I put them in the cups, and I take them from the cups and put them in the garden. So there's a couple steps here on the transplanting plan. Keep that label along with it every step of the way. So then eventually when it's in the garden, you know exactly what that is. And when you give them away to somebody, they know exactly what it is. And you can even write on the side of the cup eventually, whatever. But um, you know, keep labeling. Keep everything straight or you're going to have a mess on your hands and sometimes it works out and sometimes it's like uh, well i get um you know 50 cherry plants and maybe that's what you're going to work with that year so anyway label 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 is number one uh number two keep a journal this helps in the whole organization and knowing what you're doing right so again life is busy and as much as we like to think that we're going to remember details about our growing season, things and life happens and we just actually forget everything that happened. We forget what worked. So keeping a simple journal will help you remember what worked, what didn't work, how you tried to fix problems or counteract blights, uh, counteract blight or pests. So keep that journal. It'll help you remember a year later what happened and what worked and what didn't. So, um, you know, one thing I was trying to track uh, was germination rates and growth for different types of seed in the different types of soil. It's part of the potting soil challenge. And, uh, you know, while my intentions were good, um, I fell behind last year and eventually just abandoned the blo- the little log tracking all this stuff. And it was really unfortunate because I because I couldn't draw solid conclusions from the 2017 potting soil challenge. And I never really came back to that in a blog post and saying, well, I really recommend core. I really recommend ProMix, or I'm going to use blah. So I'm going to try to do a better job on that in the 2018 potting soil challenge, but I'm going to try to keep a better journal this year. You know, even with canning, keep a journal there, uh, making wine, keep a journal there, just notes, you know, nothing really fantastic, maybe just a couple bullet notes uh, bullet points, but, uh, things that it's working, things that are not like, uh, one thing that's in the back of my skull, um, even with the wicking bed nation coming, I'm going to have my two wooden planters left, uh, that's going to be phased out and, and replaced eventually, maybe not this year, but, um, you know, I do have pests that I'm going to have to deal with, right? I've got, uh, I've got some hornets in the area and and then I've got, uh, I've got some slugs that were really plaguing the stuff, uh, the veggies last year. So I'm going to have to deal with both of those. I remember those things, but you know, with life, sometimes you just miss that. And, uh, so I suggest keeping a little journal, just a couple of notes, maybe in a little notepad or something. And, uh, that'll help you remember. Um, number three, and for me, helps me remember so I can do a blog post for you. Woohoo! But uh, number three, <clears throat> transplant seedlings earlier. 
So I was just talking about my little process here where I have planted and then transplanted in a couple steps. And I usually do it in according to this following timeline. So late February, and I'm on this track right now, plant seeds and cells and seed trays. And even if you looked at the, the picture that's in the blog post, you could see in 2016, I was really late and I was planting in late March. So we're going to get on top of that this week and get some things planted. Um, so late February, plant seeds and seed in cells and seed trays. Uh, mid to late April, this is what I have but done in the past, transplant the seedlings into cups. So, and then, uh, and that gives them more room. These cells are pretty small. Putting them in the cups lets those roots develop. Uh, late May, transplant seedlings into garden beds. So that has usually been my typical timeline here. So I want to change that this year. I mean, this worked out okay in the past few years, but, uh, you know, I find in that second step, that mid to late April step, I find the seedlings' roots, roots have become tangled messes. And, you know, I'm, I'm working hard to try to not damage the plants too much, to not damage the root systems too much when I pull them apart and I start to plant them in their own cups. And there is some shock there. You know, I've noticed the, tree, the plants will just kind of go, oh, my gosh, what just happened to me as I transplant, which is normal. But um, if you damage that root system too much, they're going to die. So what I want to do is I want to see if the seedlings will be healthier and stronger if I transplant them earlier. The last frost date in zone 4B is typically around May 10th. And that date defines when I transplant plants into the garden without fear of a, of a killer frost. And actually, it's kind of interesting. I was looking at one site and it was saying the end of April, but I don't trust it that much. I'm going to say I'm going to stick to May 10th. And um, so that's when uh, transplanting, uh, I can transplant without feel, fear of the killer frost. Uh, and I can't change that date. It's more of a climate thing here. But I can change when I start planting seeds in the garden beds. Um, you know, I live in Minnesota and I need to push to get, I need to push to get every day that I can for plant growth. If I wait too long, I'm going to bump into the end of the season, which is, you know, I mean, we can get frost as early as uh, late September. So if I need, I, if I push too, if I wait too long and get too late, then I'm not going to get as much bang for the buck, so to speak. Um, you know, by delaying to late May, early June, I've lost valuable time and produce from my plants. So getting plants in the ground might result. Um, <clears throat> so getting the plants in the ground late, uh, early, I'm sorry, getting, getting the plants in the ground might result in a late harvest with some of these plants. And that would really maximize what I'm doing, right? If I can get an earlier, if I get them into the ground earlier and I can get an earlier harvest, say early August, and then maybe there's time to, to uh, you know, for them to grow new tomatoes or new peppers by the time uh, the first frost rolls around. So I'm trying to adjust the timeline, see if this works and see if I can get a little more bang for the buck, so to speak. And then number four, using core effectively. <laughs> and that seems like a weird thing, but um, let me tell you a little bit about core. So I use Burpee's core product for the first time last year in the classrooms and with my own seedlings, some of my seedlings. I've never used it before. And uh, for those of you who have never used it, Core is made from recycled coconut fibers. It comes in a small brick and you add water to it. Once you add water to it, 
the materials ready for, for your seeds. And it's important to know that core can hold up to 150% of its weight in water. And most importantly, it retains that water. So once it's watered, it's got a lot of water in it, right? <laughs> That's an important point that Mr. Engineer forgot. So for me, I used... I'm used to my traditional methods of growing seeds. I add soil to the seed tray cells or the cup, plant the seeds, and then water from the bottom. I found that that handles, um, that takes care of some of the molds and other uh, things that attack your plant when you plant inside and, and uh, you know, you, can, you don't have air moving and, and it's, it's moist and, and then you can have, um, um, your seeds get attacked by molds and such. But, um, it, it never occurred to me <laughs> that core was already saturated, right? Isn't that kind of dumb on my part? Um, it was a saturated medium, and it won't wick up more water. So as I'm dumping water in the bottom, it's not sucking up like it usually does, and it's all just sitting there, and it's all just wet. It's all wet material. And then it would start to rot in the cup anaerobically, without air, without oxygen, and that's where it starts to smell, and it just has too much water, and um, you starting to you're starting to see. I started to see that the seedling growth slowed, and then some of the seedlings died because of root rot. So it's just had too much water. It's the bottom line. So I used core exclusively with my school outreach in 2017. I had two classes I worked with last year, and and they didn't have this problem. In fact, their plants thrived and did quite well. Because they watered the plants from the top. They watered it top down. They waited till things got dry and watered it top down, just tr- like traditionally. And, uh, and, and I was watering from the bottom and just had wet material. So I'm going to try this again. <laughs> I'm going to try to grow more seeds with core this year and track my results as part of the 2018 Potting Soil Challenge. And I'm just going to be a little smarter in my own application of core, in my own use of core. So that's on me. So, again, putting this all together for you guys, uh, I found that planting seeds really improves the quality of your plants, provides a better selection of plants because you're in control, and is cost-effective, especially if you have a larger garden or a larger growing area. And over a year, over the years, I've had a lot of lessons learned, right? I've learned a lot of lessons. And last, last year, I learned the following. Label everything. Keep labeling. Keep a journal. Just really simple. Just a couple bullet points per day. Transplant seedlings and plants earlier and use core more effectively. So even if you don't start your plants from seed this year, you can, you can implement some of these lessons in your own homestead, garden and flower beds or canning or winemaking or whatever. You know, some of these things, labeling and journaling are just the good practices, right? All right, so that's about all for this podcast. If you have comments or questions, please leave them as a comment uh, to this post on smallscalelife.com or use the contact us page on smallscalelife.com or send me an email at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed today's show and learned something. I enjoyed bringing it to you. Sorry it was a little delayed. Um, I hope you're having a, had a great Valentine's Day, great President's Day. And thank you again for listening to the Small Scale Life podcast and visiting smallscalelife.com. If you haven't gone to the site and you're just on iTunes or Stitcher or some other medium listening to the podcast, head on over to smallscalelife.com. There's a, uh, you can find all the notes there. It's really, you can really follow the podcast along. I do 
adapt a little bit as I go, uh, as things strike me as I'm talking. But, um, you know, there's a good transcript there. There's links. There's a whole lot of information for you. So go there um, and uh, become part of the Small Scale Life family there or go over to Facebook and join Small Scale Life, the Facebook group. We have a group there. We'll let you in and you can share your story with us. So we appreciate you and your time. We appreciate you spending time with us. There's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of blogs out there, a lot of information out there, a lot of noise out there. Thank you. And our wish for you is that you remove some of that stress in your life and live simply this week. Try it out. It's really cool. Turn off the TV. Turn off the social media. It is a dumpster fire. It truly is. Get out of there and reach out in your community with your family and friends and make some new connections, right? So this is Tom from Small Scale Life. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 